1977, singer-songwriter Paul Simon released his song, Slip Sliding Away. You may remember the words to the chorus. Slip sliding away, slip sliding away. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. According to wordreference.com, slip sliding is a compilation of two expressions, slip away and slide away, which taken together poetically refer to the experience of losing our grip on something so that it slips out of our hand, slides away, and is lost. For millions of people, the calendar year just ended, 2020, was a slip-sliding year characterized by multiple and significant losses, to name a few. Loss of intimate contact with friends and family, loss of health, loss of life, loss of loved ones, loss of employment, financial security, and meaningful activity, loss of trust in the principles and practices of our government, including our election procedures and even our elected officials. Recently, I've heard many people express the hope that this new year will bring relief from what we have been experiencing. Will this happen? Well, as one of the verses in Paul Simon's song says, God only knows. God makes his plan. The information's unavailable to the common man. We work our jobs, collect our pay, believe we're gliding down the highway, when in fact, we're slip-sliding away. If this past year has taught us anything, it is how vulnerable we are as individuals, as a society, as a community. Hopefully, 2021 will be a much better year, but let us not forget how easily and quickly the things we take for granted can slip-slide away. And given this reality, where do we place our hope? Today's Old Testament reading is part of a subsection taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapters 30 through 32, traditionally referred to as the little book of consolation or comfort. Here, Jeremiah speaks the word of the Lord to a group of people who had experienced a major slip-sliding of all they held dear. These were Jews living in exile in Babylon after the Babylonian Empire conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. As a community, they were tragically familiar with loss, the loss of life, of loved ones, of home and family, the loss of the place where they worshipped God, and so perhaps for many of them, the loss of the sense that God loved them and cared for them. To these people, Jeremiah offers words of comfort, assuring them that God is faithful. In chapter 29, he writes, 
For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then, in the verses just preceding today's reading, God declares, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. And in today's reading, Jeremiah announces what has been called a series of great reversals, from destruction to restoration, from enslavement to freedom, from scattered to gathered, from homeless to homeward bound, from sorrow to joy. And to those most vulnerable to the effects of oppression, God speaks a special word. Among them, the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together with the great company, shall return home. Verse 14 suggests that these great reversals even include a revitalization of their worship. It says, I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people will be satisfied with my bounty. I have been blessed by our online services these past months. But I must confess, I long for more. I eagerly await the time when we can safely resume our face-to-face services. And when that happens, I fully expect that we will rejoice with new appreciation for the community and the communion through which God builds us up. Our reading of Psalm 84 this morning paints a beautiful picture of the joys of gathering together in the house of God. For it says, Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. To be a pilgrim means to be on a journey toward a sacred place. And surely the afflictions of these last few months are a somber reminder that we are pilgrims. Temporary residents passing through a world that cannot be our home until we inherit a new heaven and a new earth. No wonder the psalmist cries out, Oh, my soul has a desire and a longing for the courts of the Lord. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room. Happy are they, O Lord of hosts, who put their trust in you. I wonder if Jesus thought of those words when he sat among the teachers in the temple when he was 12 years old, listening to them, and asking them questions. After all, the Gospels tell us that he frequently quoted from the Old Testament, and biblical scholars who count such things agree that the book he most often cited was the Psalms, the songbook of the Hebrew people. He who 
is the Word of God made flesh, speaks the Word of God to flesh. Near the end of chapter 31 in Jeremiah, the prophet speaks the Word of the Lord again. The days are surely coming, he says, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Christians have long believed that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, whose birthday we are still celebrating this second Sunday of Christmas, is the incarnation of that new covenant. When we are baptized in Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we receive God's law of love written on our hearts. The Hebrew people went to the temple because it was the home of God. That's what the word temple means, a place where the divine presence lives. The temple Jesus sat in when he was 12 was destroyed by Roman legions in the year 70 A.D. It has not yet, maybe never will be, rebuilt. The good news is we don't need to go there to find God because as it tells us in 1 Corinthians, you are God's temple because God's Spirit lives in you. The passion of Jesus Christ, which brought to all who trust in Him the gift of the Holy Spirit, transformed the dwelling place of God on earth. He now lives in us. So the question is, why then do we go to church? Why do I long to be physically present with all of you at heavenly rest? I think you know the answer. It's because we, collectively, all of us together, are the body of Christ, the embodiment of His Spirit. We make His presence real in the world by what we say and what we do. Now, as you know, a body works best when it is whole and when it is healthy. For the body of Christ to be whole requires that we all work together, each of us using the particular gifts the Holy Spirit has given us. For the body of Christ to be healthy requires that we care for it and we feed it. We care for the body of Christ when we care for each other. And we feed the body of Christ when we receive the Word of God by the reading teaching and preaching of Scripture and when we receive the body and blood of Christ in holy communion. Franciscan friar Casey Cole has said that when we assemble ourselves together to mutually care for one another and feed on God and His Son Jesus, we can experience a taste of the kingdom of heaven. This is the heart of worship and we need each other to do it best.
Then, fully cared for and fed, we go forth to share the love of Jesus, the healing balm of Gilead, with a world full of pain and suffering. So as we pray for the complete return to in-person services, let us also pray for the wisdom and resources we need to care for those whose lives have been disrupted through this slip-sliding time. Amen.